Hey, and uh, welcome to the uh, Tuesday night's recording of the Rugby Report Card. I'm here with my good mate Richard. Rich, how are you, mate? Oh, it's Wednesday for me, but I'm good, thanks, mate. And uh, Jimbo Jones, how are you, buddy? Good, mate. How are you? Good. I thought a, a more relaxing, calm introduction to this week's podcast. I'm not reeling from a wallaby loss or a, or a nail biter that's given me anxiety, grey hair and stress. I enjoyed the Lions tour and I just had a big cry about Fiji winning gold medal at the Olympic Games. Just poured myself a big glass of red to settle in for the women's sevens as soon as we're done recording tonight. How good is international rugby, boys? That's awesome. A genuine question now. What is the nickname of the, uh, the sevens team? Like, I genuinely don't know, because you just said Wallabies, and I'm just thinking, I wonder, what are they called, you know? Look, you've made us look amateur straight off the bat, Richard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the Galahs? So, should I Google it? Just to... I'll tell you what, it's the safe bet it's not the Galahs when you do Google it. <laughs> Women's Sevens Rugby Team. Nickname. This is quality podcasting, boys. Shall we talk about the first test match in a once-in-every-12-year rugby series, the Lions versus the Springboks. Yeah, that adds it. You've got lots to talk about that. It's, uh, do you know what? What a, what a great game. And you mentioned about the love of international rugby, um, just the intensity that it brings. And we talked about the intensity change uh, within the Australia-France season, but uh, France series, but it went up a notch and just the pure physicality. And yes, there was mistakes, um, but I think a lot of that came from a tiredness from the pure uh, grit and the pure contact that happened throughout the game and it was just an epic watch really oh it was a war it was a war it was a physical game i don't know if it was the cameras or something the men just looked bigger in this one they looked like giants goliaths bashing each other never mind my pronunciation jim what do you think about the game they are bigger they just are bigger right they're just absolutely huge what they're feeding them over there and what they're feeding them up north they're just bigger and they play a different style it's not as expansive and i know this is a tactic and strategic thing but it's not as expansive it is a big body on big body whose meat's ending up on top sorry just to confirm the meat the meat sandwich rich yeah come on you know it i just wanted to confirm sorry but it was it was an it was an absolute meat fest it was slapping two porterhouse together for the first 60 and then the, my takeaway, unfortunately, was so was the last twenty minutes of that game was an absolute punish. The amount of stops, resets, starts, it took the wind out of its sails for me. I was loving it, and then it just was really, really difficult to watch. And that's because no one wants to play anywhere near their half. Mm. It was a yeah, game gonna, of Gary Allen's. Yeah, because I'm you know be what, it was really defensive footy on really defensive footy. And it looked like two teams that were maybe a fraction underdone in terms of the preparation with all the dramas that's been going on with COVID. Um, we saw that the Bockies run out of, ran out of steam clearly. The Lions benched it a lot more, but it, it, it was slow. It was real slow. It was much more contested at the breakdown than what we're used to here in the Southern Hemisphere, and that all plays into it. But it, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a game for the neutral if they didn't know the stakes. You like that meat pun, Jim? Just I do. Just I did like you. that. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the stakes in this one, it, it certainly wasn't edge of the seat stuff, was it? It was well, not. 
Well, the, the, the Lions came out like a bunch of Thunderbolts, just like the nickname for the men's sevens team. And, um, but uh, what they did in the second half was... That's a nickname, bit... Fair Income. That's atrocious. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I want to suck. Um, uh, all jokes aside, yeah, the, the, fir- the Lions came out like for, uh, a lot, with a lot more of an, uh, a free-flowing game plan in the first half. But just in the second half, they went back to basics. I thought, you know, Connor Murray's box kicks, chase, play defensively, squeeze... The offside line for both teams was questionable, so they were able to put them under pressure. But I agree with your point. Like uh, Both teams just ran out of gas near the end, um, particularly the Bockies, um, I would say. And, and But that bodes well for next game. They're a bit better conditioning. The part, the combinations in the Lions team will get better. Um, obviously, they've made some changes. Um, but with Conor Murray coming in, you'll probably imagine that they'll play a similar game plan in the second half. And I just thought it was... Um, it was good test match rugby, but yes, for a neutral, it wasn't probably as a great watch unless you, you were truly invested. And I was, I was truly invested. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it was high stakes footy. And I think high stakes footy outside of New Zealand at that level tends to bring that type of game management into it. And that's what it was. It was two teams playing for territory um, and not executing really well. Look, we, we piled on him in the, in the super rugby as Brumbies fans. Reds fans loved him, um, but and I, and I hate to be about the referee again, but Nick Berry's not up to it. The, 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 you're right, Richard. The offside line was awful, but the breakdown was was really poorly managed as well. And, and we'll get into Rassi Rasmus, hilarious. Um, we'll get into that stuff, but I just thought Nick Berry let this game get sloppy, um, and he tends to do that by the way he referees. Um, am I too mean? No, no, that's been a consistent thing throughout the whole year. How um, did he get this assignment? I don't understand. I remember, I I think everyone else is in Japan, man. I don't think there's much going around. But um, we we must, they must not think this about him. They must like the way he refs the game. Well, you got to also look to the point and say that most high quality referees potentially are coming out of Europe um, or potentially New Zealand. So that only literally leaves. Um, Australia le- less left to ref- referee this series, no? Let's not make it a national thing, Richard. Let's not pile on the Aussies right now. <laughs> I did, was not doing that. You you um, made that about that. Thunderbolts have had a tough enough week. Yeah, you know, but the pearls, I'm sure, will come shining over the next few days, so it'll be all right. The I'm pearls sure. is the development squad. I don't think it's the actual team. No, the pearls is the women's seven team, apparently. I think it's the, the, the squad just before the women's seven team. Mm, uh, I thought it was. I thought it, I thought Richard was right here. I'm recording Mink or the Pearls. You can look them up, mate. Look it up, man. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Look in in terms of look the real talking point in this one for me because all the analysis has been done on this game. You've heard it on other podcasts, not as good as ours, granted, but you've heard it. Surely the story coming out of this one is Rassi Rasmus's Twitter account. That was all time. I enjoyed that. I am that low of a human. That is exactly what I would do as a coach. Would you want to give us a rundown? I kind of missed this. Look, I can give you the, the quickest, shortest version if you'd like. But Rassi Rasmus follows three people on Twitter. One I'll of them. Say, this will be an unusual moment in the podcast if it's short. <laughs> Oi, hello. <laughs> um, follows three people on Twitter. One of them is an egg. That only follows Rassi Rasmus. So, you know, what, what's doing there? That person uploads videos criticising the refereeing decisions in the game, to which Rassi Rasmus retweets saying, basically to the effect, you're retweeting the videos, everyone can see it, basically saying, 
you know, we shouldn't shouldn't blame the referees. These things happen in footy. We'll get on to the next one. Clearly bringing attention to the poor refereeing decisions that went in the way of the British and Irish Lions. Um, he's had to come in in press conference after and actually deny that that other account is him. It's definitely him. him. Mm-hmm. It's definitely him. Um, and I quite enjoyed Warren Gatlin's reply today. They asked him if he'd do the same thing. Uh, he said he doesn't use Twitter. He'd probably cop too much shit on it to give him a miss. <laughs> I just think the whole thing's hilarious. Him and Kevin Durant, if you don't get the, it would get on real well. I think having burner accounts and redoing it, I think they'll get on well. But the, the serious question is actually, will he will he get fined? Will he, you know, director of rugby slash water boy? Will he get fined? Will he get uh, you know roped over, raked over the coals for his behaviour, or will it just get swept under the carpet? Should Any he? Question. Should he? Well, in other sports, you know, um, um, my favourite football team manager comes out and. Um, I know, and, and, and obviously makes a comment about future refereeing decisions or, or past ones that have gone on, he gets slapped with a fine and he'll probably get uh, told to sit in the stands if he does it again. So uh, I'm just saying, I, I think the precedent's been set in other sports. I know your question was, should he? Um, I think if it's available to everyone, then potentially not. But I think it's I if, it, if it's as direct as in a post or a press conference after a game, yes. But if you're just retweeting a burner account you've got, there's enough deniability <laughs> there to not warrant a fine. Hmm. But um, do, you, yeah. do you guys hate it? Is this, you know, is this is this a sad indictment of the game? A once in every twelve years footy game, or three in every twelve years footy game? It's a war out there. Refereeing decisions, you know, maybe they went fifty-one forty-nine, or in this case, fifty-five forty-five, one way. Um, and part of the game is stiff upper lip, get on with it, be respectful push on to the next game and, and we've got no time for this crap in our game. We're better than that. Or do you love the drama and understand you're, you're a coach in this case. He's not the coach. He's the water boy, but you're, let's be honest, he's the coach. So yeah. you're a coach and you're emotional. I think it's where you sit though. I'm invested. So I think he's being a dickhead. Whereas if I, if I was you guys, I think he was being hilarious. So I think it's, it's definitely how much you're actually actively involved in it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's sport, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. There's no place for the as as a somewhat neutral in here, but I think I just like to antagonise you, Richard. Um, so I can't be entirely neutral. As a somewhat neutral, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, um, I like it. I like the drama. I like to know, especially having watched it for as long as I've watched the sport. I like to know what's going on in the inner sanctum. So little brief glimpses like this, I appreciate. It's below me. I would never do something like this on Twitter. I'm very rational, um, <laughs> respectful of the game. Yeah, yeah. So, so honesty's gone out the window, has it? Um, yeah, and, and give everyone a right of reply too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy the theatre of it, but I could understand if you're sitting there and thinking, pull your head in, mate. But I don't know. I Look, if, if that were the Wallabies, maybe I wouldn't want Dave Rennie doing it. But I'd have no problem with an ex-player pointing out some bullshit calls. But just if you if you have a think about it, and, and I know he's not it's similar, but imagine uh, Scott Robertson is the is the and I know he's not. He's in a, he's in that position for the Kiwis, and it's coming up to game two of the Bledisloe series. Would you, and he was in exactly the same position. Would you want him doing it? 
Um, if we beat the All Blacks, I wouldn't care what he did. Yeah, I wouldn't care. <laughs> but we, we saw it. We saw it with the red card yeah, in game two or game one. That's the thing. Yeah, we saw it with the red card in the third French Test. Man, everyone instantly damned that decision. Yeah, but Rennie didn't, and he was actually. I really liked what he said, which was, "Yeah, I was actually part of the framework that part of the committee that came up with the framework, and I'm confident." it will not be seen as a red. And I think that was saying what everyone was thinking, but with a bit of class. Mm. It wasn't not- creating a burner account. <laughs> Do you see him strumming guitar on the We Are One on the Instagram? No, but I'll take that. Yeah, go check it. Rennie's at the back strumming the guitar. You know what my problem with those videos are? Just I, ca- I always meet eyes with some bloke who's not in for the singing, and I know that would be me. Yeah, they were there. Just to go back to your point about the, the uh, French them. game, though, by the way, don't you think it was a lot of it was immediate or reactionary within the last within the next couple of hours? There wasn't ones that came out a few days later. Yeah, that's actually a that's a good point. And I'd even argue even even us and I'm, I'm lumping you two in with me here, even <laughs> us with a bit of hindsight and a bit of time tend to calm down a little bit. He's still carrying on like a pork chop two or three days later. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But um, should we talk about the, the Rugby Sevens as we've just seen it? We've seen well, Fiji take sure, it. I just want to ask on that one, will it impact the next game? What Erasmus has done? Has he planted a seed? Yes, I think. Yeah, I, I it think does. Yeah, I think he has, yes. And I think history shows that too. If you have a whinge, it's considered. In any sport, it's in the back. Of, we're all human beings. Well, Blake, we're all, you know, it's in the back of your mind. Um even if it's not at the forefront, something there is questioning whether you do it. And even if it's not uh, um, that he said this, it's questioning you and you want to double check everything. And so, I guess it will have an impact. Um, what did you guys think about the decisions in the game? Obviously, Richard, you had a dog in the fight. Uh, look, the th- I, for me, the three main decisions, it came down to three big moments for me um, because I thought the, the, the ruck and the offside line was a, was. It went. It was. It was poor for both sides, and both sides pushed the envelope. And and um, I think South Africa got pinged more in the second half, and the Lions got pinged more in the first half. But it came out of three things: their William Aru try. I thought it was a forward pass to start with, and there was enough argument to say that he was offside. But there was also an argument that he wasn't. So, you know, they could have gone either way. I actually think Faftekleck actually knocks the ball into. Um, uh, whoever the, the the South African was for his try. But the biggest one, and then I think Hamish Watson was probably lucky not to see a yellow card So uh, for the tip tackle. So there were the three big, big uh, moments for me in the game. On on those three, uh, what, I, what I will say is my caveat to that is I think certainly in the second half, Lions just got the rub full stop um, in terms of other not so... Uh, essential decisions, I felt like they got the rub. Happens in footy, and it might happen because you're you're dominant, um, but I felt like they got the rub. In terms of those three decisions, I think I, I would, agree with you on all of them. Um, I, I would just, sorry, just to interject to that point, I would agree with your point that they may have got the rub, but it was interesting to go to your point about the idea of how many penalties. How many penalties did the South Africa give away in, the, in that red zone? You know, clearly there was a question, should have been a discussion about potentially a yellow card. Never was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought Lions got the rub. In terms of your three um, cases, I think um, in terms of the first one, the forward pass and the offside, I actually thought it was forward and he was offside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think in terms of the rules, um, there was enough to overturn on either of them. 
and and it was awarded on field try. So if I was a bocky, I, w- I could I would see I feel shitty. As a neutral, I think the pass was forward, and I think yep. he was offside. Um, the faff one, I think he knocked it on. Um, but I guess my point to those is where I'd feel aggrieved as a Springbok fan is, fucking two disallowed tries. You could have had this one well out in front, and it would have been over. Um, it, it happens in footy that they had those try scoring opportunities. They just didn't get them. Um, but yeah. if you call it earlier, like the Cheslin Colby one, clearly that's clearly a knock on. You should never have got to that other side. You know, call yeah, it and that's how I felt in Australia. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, that's, that's so completely agree with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not happy with on-field referees not getting these things mm. right straight away. We shouldn't, as fans, have to deal with the emotion mm. of them getting it wrong initially. Um, on the yellow card here, shock horror. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, look, I think on precedent, it was absolutely a yellow, right? And I think the framework, it was a yellow. I really enjoyed in the game this high stakes that it wasn't. It was a bit of state of origin to me, which was let a little bit more go because the stakes are so high. Um, and I didn't mind that one. But if I was wearing a green jersey, maybe I'd be screaming black and blue about it. Yeah, if I was, if it was the other way around, I'd be upset that it wasn't a yellow card. But I'm yeah. happy that it wasn't. Just what do you think about what do you think about those refereeing decisions? Yeah, look, I thought that the tip, I thought the two tries weren't a try whatsoever. Very much the same as you guys have just said. And the tip tackle with the with the quick pick up by the other. By the line, I was a bit off. I was like, oh, don't know if that's all right. What if he was genuinely in, injured? Mm. And that's a question we've, we've revisited, a point we've revisited. We shouldn't be refereeing on outcome. You know, if but, he lands but up they in, would have, right? He I know, I know. It's a yellow. Wholeheartedly, I agree with you completely. And that's why I was surprised he wasn't given a yellow because there was clear, not necessarily intent, but there was a clear um, action that could have put the other players... Um, safety in danger. So that's why I'm surprised it wasn't a yellow, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy it was, wasn't. Yeah. All right, Jim, should we follow your lead and talk about the um, theatre, drama, excitement of the Olympic Rugby Sevens? How bloody I've good. been loving the Olympics so far. Like how good and how well-timed in Japan. It's just up the road, mate. Queensland's got a bigger time difference. It's just so nice to have it. I mean, it sucks everyone's in lockdown, but it does sort of adds a nice little garnish to it, doesn't it? The it fact that it's really, on. really adds a nice garnish to it. Um, and you can and stream, you can stream whatever sport you're interested in watching. You're not just limited to the the chop and go betweens that Channel Seven offer you. So, so it's quite good. I've been really enjoying it. Um, and the sevens, you know, it, it stood up. I was really obviously disappointed with the Australian effort, as they would be too. Um, but I think it speaks to just how far A, Argentina have come and B, how difficult the sport is and how much of it is on a whim. And you, you know can what? practice, you can train, you can lift weights, you can do everything you can to help you win, man, but you got to be able to catch the ball off your kickoffs. And you know what? It gives credence to your point. It's They haven't had a World Series since like 2019 or anything. So I'm actually royally impressed with the uh, ability that's been shown because there actually hasn't been that much competitive footy for these seven players around the world. Even Mm -hmm. some nations' sevens programs have finished because obviously there's been no. So you're absolutely right. It's it's amazing, but it does come back to that point. You've got to look after the ball. And um, the teams that did that well, they, they ended up winning the game more often than not. Possession was key. But I yeah. loved it. Absolutely. Nothing much more to add than you boys other than those athletes. Uh, they're honestly it's perhaps some of the most impressive of any sport in the world. I'll never forget when we went out live and we got to go backstage 
and see him in the dressing sheds. The blokes had six backs in their eyebrows. Um, just the athleticism, fitness, strength, physicality. They're playing like 30 degree heat and 100% humidity in Japan. Yeah, and playing like eight oh, games man. over two days. Here they're playing two games a day. They're laughing, mate. Just running Sorry. around like lunatics, mate. It is sensational watching the athleticism and the performance. And the other person I want to give out a shout out to is the British commentator. I thought he was sensational. His repeated analogy of the Argentinian side as a pack of wolves, I fucking loved it. Every time he said it, I was up and about. They were just a pack of wolves hunting. Mm. Two guys in the bin at one point and just kept hunting. Um, Awesome. He was sensational behind the microphone. Weren't they the personification of who wants it more, the Argentinian team? Something else, mate. That's, that South African game was something else. They just kept going and going and going. And then the Great Britain game, I know you want to talk about that, Richard. <laughs> um, didn't work in the back and they lost their captain and playmaker going into it. Um, I thought they had Jeff Buckley's. What happened? I, I, I'm still trying to visualise six packs in eyebrows at the moment. Sorry, what did you say? Shredded, weren't they? You shouldn't have seen their calves. They had Curry running down the sideline. They showed his calf. Almost had a heart attack. Yeah, now they're, now they're done. They're just going to walk around the Olympic Village. No one's going to get anything done. Unfortunately, Jim, I think there's a COVID. They don't get to hang around for too long. What, no. they're gone? I think they're on a plane home within two or three days. Oh, that sucks. Otherwise, you'd be shirt off. Can I just... Can I just... Run, no. I, I, I'm, you know, what do you obviously... mean? Sunny's off, let everyone know. I'm sure they could get up to a few things in three days. Let's be honest. <laughs> what things, Richard? Yeah, what do you mean? Um, well, I was thinking about maybe um, embracing some cultural pastimes, something like that. <laughs> I need you to be um, specific, man. For, for me, that Argentinian side was the, the story of, of the sevens until the final. Um, I loved every second of following them. To talk to Australia quickly... Now, in hindsight, no shame. We lost to gold, silver, and bronze. Um, and South Africa, we came bloody close in that one too. Um, I feel a little bit better about it, about how everyone we lost to, how they ended up going. Um, and sevens is such a short game. Possession and scoreboard pressure is so important. And you called it, Jim, kickoffs. Mm. You can collect your own kickoff. You go a very long way to winning the game. You're the stats man, Richard. What are the stats on that? Do you know what? I don't have the specific stats, but I will actually have to say, but it is that that kickoff is so important because that that British uh, New Zealand game, they were smart. They just ended up targeting that um, left side or the right side of the defence of the, the Great Britain from those kickoffs uh, because they weren't in, um, Great Britain weren't doing it very well. So you're absolutely right. That, that Those restarts are so important if you can get the ball back. Yeah, uh, but, but they, also... they weren't even kicking it in, mate. That's why I'm kicking it out in the full like four times. Australia, but I would like to just make a point as a person who likes the breakdown. I like watching a breakdown of a sevens game because it's a lot quite cleaner. It's a lot quicker. You could actually see technique um, a lot, probably more efficient for obvious reasons than what a 15 or so game and just the skill level of those guys. Mm. Unbelievable. And even the tactics about how teams can avoid it or teams can play to mm. it. Yeah. Um, it opens it up. It's just so much fun watching that happen. It did make me think, though, in terms of growing the game, sevens is truly the answer. 
You can mm. get 10 kids together that are athletic enough to play sevens. You can teach them the rules. Um, it's very difficult to get 23 kids together, teach them how to scrum edge, line out, yeah. kick for territory, and all the small intricate details of rugby, mauling and blah, blah, blah. Sevens is, is truly the answer. Um, yeah, and you know what, what I've loved, and I'm not, I'm not as on Twitter as much as you, you guys are, but people across the world are now starting to talk about sevens, about how it's such a good game. You know, if anyone even, wants an idea out there to make millions, run a sevens comp like an Oztag comp. Yeah, I think they were doing that for a while. It was called millions. A Viva, it was it was called a Viva Sevens, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. For, yeah, but with better marketing than that rubbish. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, much need better marketing. Um, just one question. I was I read this article from a guy. He was uh, saying, "Oh, the the Sevens is a great game, whatever." But you know, what? if you just put seven um, running backs from American football, they would just absolutely smash them. Now you're the NFL expert, Jim. True or false? Well, they won't be wearing pads, and after they run the running to the field once, they'll be shattered, mate. So is that a false? Yeah, I'm saying false. Yeah, the, aer- the aerobic fitness of sevens is next level. Yeah, like it is not, it is not explosive athleticism. It's just what you get in the NFL. Yeah, and there's an element to yeah, there's big humans playing the sport, but man, if you do a boots and all tackle, you're going down, my friend. Made a career out of it. You didn't. <laughs> um, and I mean, we can revisit some... the story. Simon Krevi's case in point. Semi Radrada's case in point. You're talking two of the best, most explosive backs in 15s rugby. They can play about a minute and a half in sevens. Yeah, the, uh, Karevi really didn't show his elusiveness. You know what I mean? No, because 108 kilos. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, he would just ended up straightening and finding contact and not, you know, backing his core skill sets, you know, and, and playing oh. sevens. I think he was pretty good. I think he was. Yeah, I thought he played well. I I thought he looked underdone on the fitness front. Um, He plays a very different role in sevens. I thought he was very, very, very good. I thought he got let down by some of the other blokes. Look, Longbottom looked sensational every time he touched the ball. Um, I thought Lewis Holland had a poor series for our most experienced player. Um, But let's give it up to the Fijians. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, a real good effort. Just the athleticism, talent, and the way they play the game. I know it's a cliche, right? But the way they play the game, just that play, and I really mean the word play, they're just having fun. Yeah, it's that ability. You talk about um, athleticism, size, et cetera, but it's the the bravery or the naivety of just to fling that pass, knowing your mate's there, the, the backhander, the flick, whatever it is, to keep the ball alive. It's just magical to watch at times. It's, and, and just what it means to that tiny nation, mm. just to see it on those players' faces and hear their stories. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Right, so come on then. Where the, uh, where, yeah, what, are the, what are the stories? <laughs> yeah, what are they? Uh, common dad tells you sometimes. <laughs> Such as? All right, moving on. I'm pumped, I'm pumped for the women's now because in with a shot, are we? I don't know. I, I look looking at the and I certainly wouldn't gamble, but looking at the uh, the punting, I think New Zealand are, are like dollar twenty favourites. Mm. Australia's second at about eight dollars. Oh wow! So and I think we had our warm up series was against New Zealand two or three warm up series. They beat us in every game. Um, so my understanding, New Zealand one daylight. Australia two, and then a pretty close field, not far behind. But so, uh, so wait, come on then, you're a betting man. Where are you going? Where I put heaps going? of money in Australia at those odds. <laughs> what are you nuts? Charlotte Catholic's a machine. 
Um, mate, I don't know. I, I haven't watched the lead up close enough. I really haven't. I'm bloody excited for it. Um, and I love the Olympics because it's the truly, and sevens rugby in that fact, it's a great equaliser in gender. We're getting there with 15s, but we've got a long way to go. It's, it's awesome in sevens. Um, mm. I'm looking forward to pitching a tent and watching every minute. Loving That'd it. Be pretty good. What about you boys? Who's winning it? Oh, New Zealand. Yeah, I'm going for New Zealand too. Cowards. The Pearls, boys. The Pearls. Pearls aren't playing, man. They're training. Um, in other rugby news, fuck, I was excited. Quake Cooper back in the Wallabies. QC. Uh, are you sure? Wow. Yeah. I want nothing more for him to put on the old gold. Get nothing the, more. Get the cabri on the chest and just carve. Just, I would love that. I'm I'm so on his side. Can I I ask, actually, are we we being serious right now? Was it the most exciting thing, the re-signing of Alex Alex Newsom and Ned Hannigan? (laughs) We'll get get to those bums in a minute. Um, On the Quay Cooper thing, I think a a couple of things are true. One is, what a story. You're just staying fucking fit and committed um, you know, I know everyone posts their, their one workout on Instagram, but this bloke is working out every single day. He, he genuinely just keeps him. He doesn't get ready, stays ready. Um, Quade Cooper is just a beast, mate, and good on him. He was just ready for the call-up. Um, and then the other thing is everyone calm down. I don't think Duncan Paella and um, Quade Cooper are making this side not under COVID restrictions. You needed to pick two blokes in Queensland to make up the numbers at training so you could have 15 yeah, of the game. They're, they're tackling. They're, they're, that's all they're doing. They're just doing... Quake Cooper's not tackling. Oh, no. 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 I'll give you that. No. The player is. That's what he's doing. Yeah, he absolutely. And 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 he can cover a lot of positions at training. So you can play, train Reese Hodgett wing and fullback. You don't have to play him at 10 and 12 in your second string 15 at training. That's, clearly, that's what's going on here. Now, stranger things have happened. Old mate ran on for New Zealand in the World Cup final, Donald. Um, things happen in rugby, and if you're in the squad, it's a testament to your ability, and, and stranger things have happened than, than either of these folks running out and getting some minutes, um, and I would fucking love it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, a crazy question out there. I think I know your answers, um, but in all seriousness... In all seriousness, Quade Cooper plays 10 for the Wallabies August 7th. Are we more of a chance of winning than if Noah Lolliseo does? No. <laughs> I haven't seen him play. I haven't seen him play in a number of years. I just but I, I got him making the 23 in Perth. That's what my bet's on. Crazy. Seriously, you love I remember doing this podcast four years ago and you just love Quade Cooper. What is it? What has he got on you? I just, you know what? It's exciting, I, man. I like players that are mercurial, players that are mavericks and do something a bit different. Carlos Spencer was my guy growing up, you know? Can I just say, so you're putting in the same section, Quade Cooper and Carlos Spencer? Yeah, Carlos yeah, Spencer was yeah. good for two, three years. Yeah, so it was honestly, great. Absolutely. Quade Cooper played 70 tests for the Wallabies. Beat the All Blacks a number of times. He won a title for Queensland. Mm. Blokes are gone. Like, yeah, you can't just... write them off. It's nah, just that's very that's in the upper echelon. I'm surprised that you're putting them in the same company, but that's fair enough. Yeah, King Carlos is special though. Um, I, I don't know if I mean that. I think the continuity of Noah offers you a lot more than Quaid, but I reckon we need something mercurial to beat him. We're, we're that large. 
So. It's good though, by the way, good that they got the exemption to actually go to New Zealand, so you can actually lose when you get there rather than you know thinking yeah. that you may have got some. It's going to be a thrashing. All right, All right boys. Um, well, quickly, New South Wales signings. What are your thoughts on those, Jim? You got Hannigan back, Holloway back, Newsom signed, Donaldson signed. Ecstatic. Couldn't couldn't be happier. Can't wait to watch them lose another year. Oh, that's right. You hate the Tars. Richard, thoughts? You like the Tars? Do you know what? If there was, uh, if lockdown wasn't happening, they'd be dancing in the streets. There'd be the sky blue shirts just running around with the happiness that we've got Ned Hannigan back from Japan. That's just, you're just talking to the level of Argentinian soccer. <laughs> when yeah. they sign a player to the club, they all take to the streets with the jersey, light flares, tip cars over. Mate, you'd get the membership scarf and swirling around above your heads. You know, that's that's the level of excitement I have right now. They all meet him at the domestic terminal. Yeah. That's you guys for Teddy Flanagan. I'll be a realist here and say they're definitely going to add to that team and they need some continuity and need this place to stay long. Being a realist, they're the same bums that sucked. Well, they would have come cheap, right? Yeah. In in all seriousness, (laughs) they needed a squad. Like, it was so... so, um, they were so young this year. They needed a, they needed some experience. And Ned Hannigan actually is a is a decent Super Rugby player. Alex Newsom has been around the system, so it's in terms of their squad, um, it does improve them as a whole. Yes, but it's not the level of excitement that we all want as fans. No. All right, boys. Well, good to be back podcasting in your ears, Jim. I'm going to give you the final word. Who's winning, Lions or Bockies? I and I said this to you not too long ago. I said. And I said verbatim that the fact that the refereeing decisions have become under question, we will see them lean towards the side of the Bockies in this next test. I'm expecting the Bockies to play a little more expansive because I think when they do, as we saw in the South African A game, they've got, they've got it over them. Um, I think they got met up front. So I'm going South Africa game two and I'm going Lions game three controversially. Oh, shit. You heard it here first. All right, Richard. I can't let him just say that. Run his mouth. What do you reckon? I'm just concerned. You said that was verbatim. I've definitely not heard you say that completely. (laughs) Verbatim. Run the tape. (laughs) Get the stats. Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I reckon it's going to go to a decider. Uh, I think... um... Irrespective of whether the influence of Erasmus has happened, I just I just feel like most Lions games come down to a, a decision or two in game three. Um, I think they'll both improve, but I, I just I see the Bockies nicking this one, and it will go down to a, the last game, and the Lions will win the last one. Fucking pessimistic, Palm losing the second game. I see the Lions winning the second game. I thought the Bockies' chance was game one. Catch them on the hop. They didn't. They didn't. But they've never. They haven't. They haven't played together. I know the combinations are the same for the Lions, but I, I think if the Lions were going to had to win the first one for that. And, and don't forget, they were a better team for sixty minutes here too. Proper Springboks belted them for fifty-five minutes. It wasn't yeah. even close. And then, to quote to quote one of you, it's all about the result, isn't it, mate? It's all about the W, Richard. Yeah, it doesn't matter how you get there; you just get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Verbatim. <laughs> Uh, now, some exciting news about our podcast coming out shortly. We'll let you know next podcast, though, but stay tuned. Oh, what a cliffhanger to leave us on. You like that? <laughs> <thing>? <laughs> Is this like your, the stories of the Fijians? <laughs> All right. <laughs> That'll do. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> See ya.